Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lineup for the day, as usual. Um, you know, we're going to jump right into the the uh, preview here, and that is we're going to start off with the six ways to build wealth quickly. 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 This is the microwave version. Yeah, huh? Exactly. This is the I'm impatient version, and I'm behind. I got a catch-up version, and this is based on a great article by this guy, Jeff Rose, who does a blog article, and uh, he's got some great ideas for you know, if you're behind and you're maybe in your 40s already and you got to get going with retirement, you know, he's got some ideas how to save a lot of money quickly and really get to the finish line in an accelerated fashion. So yeah. That's going to be a good one. That is good. And then we're going to follow up with an article about trust and, and do you really need a trust? So we have a lot of people that come in and they, they may have a will, but we start talking to them about trust a little bit. And we're going to dive into a couple of situations why people or maybe why you would want to consider a trust as well. So we'll, we'll jump into that uh, in a couple minutes. Yeah, that'll be really good. Um, before we get into that, though, I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, and I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. Yeah, we're excited to have you listening to our show today. Um, we're right here every week. Our podcasts are up exclusively every Friday afternoon. Yeah, you can go to our website, moneymd.net, and we have a link on the right-hand side. You can click that link. It'll take you to the podcast page, and you can see uh, or listen to the podcast from the um, last couple of months. We have it categorized by topic, so uh, you can listen to past shows and kind of see what's going on in the world of money. You can also reach us by email. We'd love to hear your questions. So you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, um, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is interesting, uh, Steve. No one would have ever predicted this financial no, fact. They wouldn't have. As of last Friday, the S&P 500 had gone uh, 103 consecutive trading days without suffering at least a 1% decline on a single trading day. And and that is the longest stretch um, the index has gone that long that that long with um, with an out of one percent drop since 1995, 21 years ago, and um, wow. you know it has now broken that broken that streak. So, who would have ever thought that with the the Trump presidency and as controversial as he is? First of all, the markets have gone up. Second of all, there's been minimal volatility to the downside. Yeah, the volatility has been remarkably low, and I didn't know it had had breached a record though. That that is just shocking. It that, is shocking. You know, twenty one years now. We this is the longest stretch of yeah of low volatility, less than one percent volatility. I wonder which one would have smaller odds, that or maybe South Carolina winning the national championship in basketball. Well, that will be pretty small odds, John. <laughs> yeah. But we have an odd. <laughs> you have one chance. We have but, one uh, odd. I don't think it'll last very long because in the second game, if you do get that first one, then you meet Duke, right? Yes. And Most Duke, likely. Duke here has a pretty good basketball team. Is that right? I hear that they're pretty They're pretty okay. Decent, they're pretty right. decent. They're in a lot of the, fin- the picks for the Final Four. So uh, <laughs> We'll see if we make it past the first yeah, game. I'm not I so sure. I think that'll be history. I have them in my bracket going on, but uh, my heart says, they're going to lose. So. It'll be exciting to see. We'll see. Um, yeah, but we're going to jump right in here. We got the six ways to build wealth quick, quickly, and this is a great 
article is based on a blog article by Jeff Rose. And, uh, you know, John, when you start talking about building wealth quickly, I mean, some people get lucky. They just kind of fall into an inheritance or some other means. But the vast majority of wealthy people, they do it the old-fashioned way. They build it through hard work and through savings. And if you're young and you have plenty of time, then you can do it by simply saving 15% of your income uh, every year into, you know, Roth IRAs and investing in the stock market like we always talk about. Um, it's that simple. You know, you don't have to do anything anything exotic to to make it happen if you have plenty of time and you're young, if you start early. But if you're already 40, then you might have to take the fast approach that we're going to discuss here. And he has some great ideas here that we he discusses in this article about, um, you know, ways to save a lot of money quickly and to got it, get it on track in a hurry. The first step, though, for building wealth fast is always going to be to drop your living expenses like crazy. And I know this isn't very exciting, but it, by definition, you know, for building wealth, you have to drop your your living expenses to, to create some gap in there between what you're bringing in and what you're spending. You know, great wealth builders, they focus on saving money and earning more. Those are the two keys. And the key here is the gap between your expenses and your income. Like I just said, expenses need to be much lower than your income to build wealth fast. I mean, the larger the gap, the more wealth you can accumulate quickly. I mean, let's face it, you can't invest unless you have money to invest. And if you're currently living beyond your means you have no, and you have no additional money to put to work for you, then you'll never build wealth, period, much less build it fast. So, But let's jump right in here. I mean, the first one on the list here is to save on vehicles. And I have to say, when I was, when I was young, I was pretty fortunate that I learned this, you know, early. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was in college, uh, I drove a 68 Impala that I bought for my brother for $200. Um, and I actually, he bought it from my dad for the same price for $200 after we rebuilt it after it got wrecked by my older brother. <laughs> so <laughs> hand me we, down. Right, it's a hand me down. We rebuilt it in the junkyard. But, you know, having a, a, an old car like that, um, you know, allowed me to save huge on transportation costs and avoid the those all too common car payments. And, you know, that's the pattern that Kathy and I have followed our whole life of not having car payments. And, you know, that can allow you to pay off your house early, save lots of money over time, and invest in Roth IRAs and regular IRAs, 401Ks, and all the other places that you can build wealth. So, you know, saving on your vehicles, a lot of money in your vehicles is a is one of the big keys. Yeah, and no, I agree. I mean, you know, too many people view the car payment as normal. And sure, it's normal, but normal is not going to help you produce wealth, right? That's right. So you got to be, as Dave Ramsey says, you got to be weird with this stuff to, to build wealth. And, you know, instead consider doing, you know, what, what you know, a lot of people have done over time, and, and that's just driving cars outright without any payments. It's easier on your pocketbook over the long term and allows you to build wealth because you're taking that payment and you're paying yourself and you're putting it in something that's going to appreciate versus depreciate exactly and vehicles are a huge area where people spend a ton of money so you can't be driving your retirement as dave ramsey says i mean you you gotta you gotta save a lot of money on vehicles if you're going to build wealth fast second one here on the list is to save on housing on shelter 
Um, so, you know, in addition to the, the car story, I mean, my wife and I, we rented an apartment for the first five years before we ever built a house. Um, and not having a mortgage, that allowed us to build up our emergency fund and to save for a huge down payment on our house. You know, but what if renting seems to be more expensive than having a mortgage payment? We hear that all the time, you know. they got to build a house, they got to buy a house because they're wasting money on rent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they think a mortgage actually would be more uh, less expensive. Well, it, it really is not true. I mean, renting is not more expensive. When you consider all of the costs that go into owning a house... I mean, first, if you rent, you know, you'll likely have less space. You'll have less stuff. It'll cost less from that regard. Um, second, renting means that you you won't have a yard to take care of. You won't have curtains. You won't have all the trappings that a house entails. And third, I mean, if you rent, you won't be tempted to make the upgrades, which continually sap your budget mm-hmm. that you see people doing. Whenever they get a house, they're they're constantly pouring money into it to upgrade things. Yeah. The key, so the, renting the, saves a lot of money. The key to make that work, though, is you got to take that savings and, and invest it and put it into something that's going to grow. Exactly. That's the other piece exactly. of the equation, which a lot of people don't do that, that rent. So. Yeah, when we did that the first five years of our marriage, we saved all of Kathy's salary, every dime of it, yeah. put it into savings, and you know that that's what made the difference. Yeah, and rentals certainly offer more flexibility. I mean, buying a home, you got to commit to a 15- or 30-year mortgage, and most people don't stay in a home anywhere near that amount amount of time so it's it's harder to pick up and move um, if you have a home versus a rental so you know also selling a home costs money as well you've got the realtor commissions and upgrades and so forth so that flexibility is a big piece of this it really is really is so you know one way or the other you got to save a lot of money on housing to uh, to build wealth quickly so that was number two next on the list here is to save just a large percentage of your income um, now, you know, we talk about this a lot. We advocate 15% of your income toward retirement. And as I mentioned early on, if you if you have plenty of time, that gets it done. You can build a lot of wealth, saving 15% of your income if you do it early on and you do it consistently over a long period of time. You'll be a multimillionaire, you know, by the time you retire if you do that consistently for most people. Um, but most people don't come close to that. In fact, very few people have a substantial amount uh, saved for the future period. But if you think you're in the minority, then, you know, you ch- there are some people out there advocating a lot more than that, like uh, this guy Pete from who runs a, a, a website called MrMoneyMustache.com. <laughs> Strange name. But anyway, he advocates saving 30 to 50% of your income and while that definitely sounds on the extreme side of things, I mean, he's just another example of how it can be done. And if you really want to build wealth fast, you know, that's certainly a way to do it. You have to get really extreme about this stuff. And you have to start saving an extreme amount of your income um, toward retirement, toward building wealth. And granted, the, the more you make, the larger the percentage you can save. And the point here is to take some steps and some sacrifices so that you can put more of your wealth toward investments um, that are right for you, but, but get started with it right now. That's the key. Um, but the next category we're going to talk about in saving a lot of wealth is to earning, is earning a lot more money. Um, that's the kind of the second category here is on the earning side. You know, the old saying goes, you have to have money to make money. 
Um, and I know what you're thinking, you know, if you don't have any money, you know, you don't have any money, so you can't make any money. Well, I mean, first, you have to realize that you may not have any money now, you may not make much money now, but you have to have the attitude that you're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, so you have to have the right attitude, right? Attitude makes all the difference. Yes, it does. It does. So, um, you know, so the first one we're going to jump into here is investing in your education. Yeah, so one way you may be able to make more is in, invest in yourself. Invest in, in education, get a degree, maybe an MBA or get a specialized designation. Uh, you know, getting a degree with some certification, it can make a big difference in your earnings potential. may get you in the uh, the door of a great company. Maybe you need to get a technical degree. But investing in yourself um, is, a, is a great way to do that. Now, that takes a little bit of time to, to go through that. But, um, and you also have to make sure that it's a skill that's going to be valued out in the marketplace. So don't Absolutely. just go and get a degree just for the sake of getting a degree. It's got to got, be able to market yourself after that. Yeah, it's got to be an effective education, as we've talked about many times. So it's got to be worth the money that you put into it because it's going to cost a lot of money. You're going to have to put money and time into it. But... Uh, in the long run, though, usually getting a higher education does pay off, so that's a good first step. Um, next here is to invest in yourself and your marketing. You know, this guy, Jeff Rose, um, he says that whenever he first started off, he didn't have a lot of money, um, but he knew, to, knew that he needed to, to, to look the part. So he bought fresh shirts, ties, suits, anything that he could make himself look more professional, so he dressed for success. Um, he also invests in personalized brochures, seminars, um, other marketing material to put himself out there in the business that he was in. Another way that he invested in himself is by paying for some coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to this professional coaching program called Strategic Coach, which, John, I know you, you're familiar with. Yep. Um, and, you know, he went to workshops. He had... Um, program advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs that he went and kind of, uh, you know, got in the company with and learned from. And so, um, you know, he invested in, in himself in that way by going through coaching. And for a company to grow 10x, uh, this coach says that, you, you know, you need to not be managing it yourself. You need <clears throat> to be self-managing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point. Makes sense. But uh, what he says here is that you always, he always made sure he didn't overextend himself to where he wasn't spending more than he could afford. A lot of the money that he earned wasn't going toward frivolous things such as big TVs or going out to eat at high-end restaurants. Instead, the money went toward investing in himself and his business. So invest in yourself and in your marketing. That was number Number five here. And the next one is the venture into entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a whole nother level of really trying to earn a lot more money. Yeah, and Steve, it really can be one of the quickest ways to building wealth. Um, you know, if you look at the um, the wealth building journey, um, one of the, the resources you ought to you read is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in that book, um, the author introduces the concept of cash flow quadrant. He looks at four different entities, the employee, the self-employed, the business owner, and the investor. And when he, when this guy read the book, he said he felt like he was in the employee quadrant. And so he knew if he ever, ever wanted to make serious money, he had to get in the right type of quadrant, either the business owner or the investor quadrant. Um, he likes the investor quadrant. So, yeah, I mean, so, you know, when, you, when you're an entrepreneur, you take more risk, but the rewards typically are higher. 
Yeah, they certainly can be, you know, and we see that in our business from guys that have really made it big sometimes. Um, they went out and took a lot of risk to do it and uh, stepped out and, you know, started a business of some type. But uh, this guy, Jeff Rose, he owns the blog goodfinancialsense.com, and he also owns a few other online properties that all yield income. And he says, yes, blogging can be very lucrative. He made over a million dollars from blogging, which is remarkable. I don't know how. I guess he sold ads or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you do that. But um, in fact, he said he almost could consider it as an investment um, rather than a job, you know, um, and blog, but blogging does require some upkeep, he says. Uh, and he certainly you not the only person that's made a lot of money online, as we all know. I mean, uh, he names a couple of people here who were one of them replaced their income, the hundred thousand dollars with an online store so she could stay at home and be a mom. And then, uh, he mentions another guy here that made over $2 million from his podcast which, wow, I mean, we we're missing, we're missing that, the boat here, aren't we, John? Uh, we're we not quite at that to, level yet, all right. we to figure out how to make some <laughs> money at this. Yeah, but so it's amazing to see what you can do if you put your mind to it. I mean, whether you're thinking about starting an online business or growing your brick-and-mortar business, it all goes back into working hard now. But you know what? You have to work hard at the right things or you'll just be spinning your wheels. I mean, he's currently... Uh, has businesses that are the result of several business ventures that didn't work out. Um, he says, you know, he tried multi-level marketing on a few occasions, and those didn't work out. He tried real estate. He tried solo 401k business. Um, but none of those worked out for him. For him, uh, he lost a lot of money in, in some of those, but in others, it was just a waste of time. But all in all, those experiences, he learned one thing. It's important that you adopt the mantra you win or you learn, you never lose. I like that. And I thought that was a good good mantra. He says, but to build wealth really fast, you know, you're not going to get there by investing 50 or or $100 a month into a Roth IRA unless you just have a long, long time to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, it has to be a – it's a great long-term strategy, but if you're going to make a big difference in the short term, you have to do something drastic like the things we've talked about here. And don't think that you have to do everything. Instead, focus on a few things and do them very well. You know, it all starts by investing in yourself, listening to podcasts, reading books, take millionaires out for lunch. Yes, you you buy, buy the lunch, he says. <laughs> you know, um, you can start by subscribing to excellent podcasts. Like he mentions one by Huey Lowe's here. Huey Howell's here, the School of Greatness podcast. Um, you know, there you'll become equipped to... Think differently about yourself and your wealth. So as you make it a habit to find ways to better yourself, you'll also find the potential to build wealth faster than ever. Everyone does it differently. Nobody will be exactly like you. You're unique. You'll find your way. Just give yourself a chance is what he says here. So I think those are great, some great tips there. But the key is building a big gap between what you make and what you spend. Mm -hmm. That's the key to building wealth fast, but you're going to have to do something drastic if you're going to make a big dent in that in a short period of time, and so that's that's the point here. 
All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this has to do with uh, contributions to retirement accounts based on your income. And so this person, uh, this question was, is I've contributed too much money to my Roth account based on my income. Um, uh, what should I do? So the CPA has come back and said, you're, you're over the thresholds. You've got to, got to pull some of that back or you're going to pay a 6% tax on it. 6% penalty. And so, yeah, basically you, you need to, you need to figure out how much you can put in there. So, um, you know, if you have 6,500 is your, is your uh, overall target and you can only put in 4,500, you've got to pull $2,000 out plus the losses or gains associated with that. So IRS will, will penalize you if you don't do that. Yeah. They call that removal of excess contributions and, um, you definitely have to do that and you have to put out the earnings, like mm-hmm. you said. So, uh, you just got to get it done before before April 15th. I yeah, guess. work work with your CPA. We obviously help our clients on that that transaction. Sometimes um, you know, income is a surprise. They get a bonus or sold something and it shows additional income. So, um it's not a totally uncommon um, you know, transaction, but uh it's something that you want to make sure you take care of. Yeah. All right. Good question of the week here at tax time. That leads up here to our next topic and that is can a trust protect your adult children's assets from a failed marriage yeah so, uh, yeah we have that conversation with with clients pretty frequently should should they get a trust and and uh you know a lot of most of them have wills um but the you know the number one reason may surprise you and it's not taxes i mean the the estate tax exemption for 2017 is uh 5.5 million dollars per person and almost 11 million for married couples so there's not many people falling in those brackets that need a, a trust to protect that. Um, but you know, what it does do is it can, it can save and it can protect you and your kids from, um, losing part of their inheritance. Right. So, you know, if you, if you establish a trust as a part of a will, you can help protect your child's assets in a divorce settlement. So let's kind of look at how that works a little bit. In a lot of cases, if a child receives an inheritance, and they combine it with the assets that they jointly own with their spouse. So think about bank accounts, cars, and houses. You know, depending on the state that you live in, that inheritance may become subject to marital property. Um, you know, and it it'll be split up between your child and their spouse. And so, you know, that's a real concern as well for people. Also, if um, Another reason, which is not uh, mentioned in this article, is if someone gets a divorce or if someone passes away and then the spouse remarries, it can protect that person as well. Yeah, so trusts, I mean, really do help ensure the money goes where you want it to go. That's exactly you know, right. That's a good way of putting a, it. There's yep. a change in, in your life or, you know, at the end of your life for that matter. Um, but, yeah, if, a, if the child's inheritance remains in a trust account or they use the trust funds to pay for assets in their own name, then the inherited wealth can further be protected from a divorce. Um, you know, this gives the adult child their own assets to fall back on in the event of a divorce. So, you know, trust can be very helpful in that regard. Yeah, so this example here is um, a client left his uh, daughter's inheritance in a trust, put it in a trust after her first divorce because he was afraid that his, his hard-earned dollars may end up squandered if she remarried. And it turns out the client was spot on. She remarried again. It didn't work out, but her second ex-husband never got a dime 
from the trust. So if he had not done that, that that amount may have been split between the two of them. And so, you know, Steve, trust can certainly be complex, um, can involve extra administrative work and cost, uh, which may cost more compared than leaving your assets outright to your children. But, you know, in, in addition, a person or company must must be named as a trustee to oversee these funds throughout the trust existence. So, you know, but a lot of people are willing to pay those costs to protect um, their child's wealth. So we're going to go through a couple scenarios here of when and why you would use a trust. Yeah, I mean, the first one would be the children are 18 or younger. So, they're minors. I mean, if your children are under the age of 18, you're probably not thinking about, you know, the marriage divorce angle. However, I mean, due to their youth, leaving assets and trust for them is often a good idea. I mean, a trustee will be named to oversee the child's assets and will be able to guide them to make wise decisions with those funds. And the trustee has the power to deny any financial request, which can be valuable if the young person's immature and you know, easily influenced and wants to, you know, spend the money mm-hmm. frivolously. Yeah, that's right. So, so, you know, young child, you can certainly protect them. Number two here on the list is your your um, your child is newly married. And, you know, most couples are happy when they first start out in marriage, but the road can certainly turn bumpy um, as life becomes more stressful and complex. And you, know, you look at job losses, maybe a decline in, in health, financial stress, or just simply the the demands of raising children. So instead of deciding to set up a trust right after your child's marriage, you know, maybe you should should wait and see how that progresses over the next five to ten years. Doesn't mean you can't go implement that today, but don't do it necessarily, um, you know, right off the bat. You can wait for a period of time to see if that's going to be an issue. Yeah, exactly. And and that's really what leads us up to number three here is, and that is, how is the marriage going um, that's an important consideration. I mean, even after five years or more, consider how comfortable you are with your child's relationship um, and their marriage and how you feel about your son or daughter-in-law. You know, if there's a constant fighting or you simply have that bad gut feeling, you know, setting up a trust for your child's inheritance might be a wise move. So, you know, consider how things are going before you... Um, just leave assets outright to your children. Yeah, absolutely. So if you haven't looked at your wills and trust and other documents, you know, now's a good time to do that. Um, you know, and then maybe every five years you take a look at that. And it's not necessary to constantly change the documents, but reviewing them periodically helps a person to evaluate, um, you know, the relationships, the finances, and the emotional dynamics in the family. I mean, you know, in addition, an estate lawyer can modify or delete the trust during your life as your family circumstances change. So we do have some connections to uh, estate planning um, attorneys in, in the area if you ever want, wanted to sit down and just talk with someone about your situation. But definitely can be useful. I think you summed it up really nicely. It's, a trust tells your money where to go, and it's a legal you know, document. document to control that. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to worry about taxes in today's world. If the inheritance taxes being over $10 million for a couple, for most people, that's that's not a concern, but the real purpose for trust is to control how the money flows mm-hmm. after you're gone or even before you're gone to make sure it goes to the right people. So, good point. All right, and that brings us up to our last item here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I just got my, um, my car... Uh, notice renewal from, I won't say the company's name, um, but it, it doubled. 
It doubled. It doubled. What did you do, John? Well, did you I, like wreck a car or something? Nothing. That's the thing about it is, is we didn't we we didn't do anything different. And so talked to him, and there was some miscommunication on information, and so it lowered a little bit, but it still increased by about sixty percent. Sixty percent. Yeah. So car we. Insurance? Yeah. So we had been looking for a period of time because there we our, someone in our family member again I won't name names had a wreck and had uh, a ticket. So uh, okay. um, that was five years ago, and so it dropped off. And, okay. And so we have uh, been repricing car and homeowners insurance, and that's a prescription of the week. It takes a little bit of time to do that, but we're basically going to um, – we are changing companies, and we're going to get back to the price that we had before this very large change. Save 60%. Yeah, it's a big number. That's I mean, a big number. You know, we have two two kids, uh, young adults, 20 and 22, driving around. Um, they, they don't like that too much. No, they don't. <laughs> some car companies, I think, some insurance companies really – penalize you for that for having younger drivers yeah. so in the in the state of south carolina just had a an insurance increase one company had a pretty sizable about a 20 percent. so I, i've talked to some other clients that got a not as big of a notice but um you know they're they're making some changes as well so if you've been with someone for a long time that's great um you have a good relationship but it doesn't hurt to go out and, and test test the waters definitely not that's a great prescription of the week go out and reprice your your property, home and property insurances. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial help. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Go watch my Gamecocks tonight, 9.50. Go Cox. TBS. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richarding Associates, a registered investment advisor.